everyone, to episode 103 of Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass, irreverent gaming podcast, brought to you by me, the host, Chad Michael Linus, and the other host, Holden DePardo. Holden, say hi through your yawn. Hi. Aw, that was adorable. And welcome to our show, two other guests uh, who are joining us for the first time, uh, Joel Campos. Say hi, Joel. Hello, I'm said other guest. And other guest, Aaron Pierce. What's up, Aaron? Say hi. What's up? Hey, I'm the uh, other guest with a creative intro line. You guys are both the other guests in my heart. Um, I, I would like to be a... called other guest number one from now on, if that's all right. Ooh, power play. Ooh, all right. Other guest number one, Joel Campos. Is it a power play if you want to be called the number? <laughs> <laughs> what if we put an underscore in there? <laughs> other guest underscore number one sorry other guest was already taken um so i want to give you guys just a brief little intro to let people know who you are whether it's maybe you want to mention your general gaming preferences if you have a show of your own if there's a place you can have people find content you create um let's start with aaron aaron what do you got yeah hey so i've been uh just a long time gamer uh I can remember the earliest days of uh, ripping open the EGM uh, magazines or Game Pro articles with my friends and just really diving into uh, all video game news and just uh, completely absorbing it. And uh, I've certainly taken that kind of passion, um, you know, 20 years later. So I've been I've been a big fan. And uh, as far as where I'm at, uh, really, I just uh, on social media, currently I'm not creating anything, but on uh, Twitter at uh, Pierce underscore two, four, eight. So I do have that underscore in there. Nice. Joel, what about you? Um, yeah, I guess my gaming history goes back all the way to Sega Genesis playing NBA Whoa. Jam with my Were you dad. a mini person back then to celebrate the new mini Genesis being announced? <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I really care about that at all. I'll probably be more excited if NBA Jam comes, which is never going to happen because of licensing problems. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm a longtime gamer. I pretty much game every single day. Uh, I do my own show called Pixel Street Podcast, uh, which is on Hey, I've iTunes. heard of that. You have, yeah. John Hansen is actually my co-host. He's been on your show before, I believe. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find us on Twitter at Pixel Street Pod. Uh, my personal email or my personal Twitter account is at Campo sixty three. Uh, yeah, I'm just excited I'm to have actually listen to your show, and it's good, and people should check it out. I agree. But I concur, Doctor. Yeah. Do you concur, Doctor? Sorry, continue. I'm interrupting uh, your show. I don't know. That's about, about it. You. I'm mainly an Xbox gamer, so uh, come at me if you're a PS4 fanboy. That's Chad awesome, because that's me, and Holden's a Nintendo fanboy, and you have now balanced out the Trinity, and please, Aaron, tell us you're a PC gamer. Uh, I am not, but I, I could take oh, all get three. out. Nope. That's right. <laughs> no, PC gamer's the only one that we will throw out of this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, Fez. I made listening. it. I made it. Uh, I, I definitely was not playing a game of Overwatch on my PC before you guys called me on Skype. Ooh. <laughs> Aaron, what I'm going you audio on? only, really quickly, because... It's disconnecting like crazy. Okay, we'll miss you. Bye. You might have to go to as well. I don't know, but heads up. I'm an adult, and I'm in charge of my own destiny. And, uh, whoa, what is up, other guest number, underscore number one? You just filled my whole screen. (laughs) (laughs) Aaron, sorry, uh, Holden rudely interrupted you. What do you mostly game on? I'd say mostly uh, PlayStation. 
but nice. really, I could go with I could go with anything. I've got an Xbox, but and been doing that for a while. But I'd say mostly uh, PlayStation. Nice, 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 nice. What's your favorite uh, PlayStation game? Ooh, I'd say currently God of War. Uh, just started a new game plus last week. Uh, get God of War four. Uh, so really enjoying that. It's been oh geez, several months since I first completed that. So uh, going back into it with a. Uh, New fresh eyes on New Game Plus has certainly been exciting for me. Nice. And then last question before we jump in. Other guest underscore number one, a.k.a. Joel Campos. <laughs> um, what is your favorite Xbox game? Favorite Xbox game? I guess franchise would have to be Halo. Um, I think Halo 2 is what really made me, you know, get super into gaming. Like before I was just casual, like me and my siblings would share the N64, PlayStation 1, but once Halo 2, once I got my hands on that, I couldn't stop playing. I mean, the multiplayer was crazy. Blew my mind. Hell yeah, Xbox Live, man. The power of the cloud. All right, we're going to jump into our first segment today. We've got a lot of things to talk about from VR, Borderlands 3, to uh, Kazurai retiring, to we played Sekiro some more. But we're going to start with our cold open for our third-party quest log, starting with some VR news. We all know that I am a VR fan, and Holden works for a company that does VR, and I'm going to assume that both Aaron and Joel are VR fanatics as well. Yeah, uh, PSVR day one owner myself. Nice! Me too. I was actually a day negative two owner because Best Buy shipped mine to me super early. Uh, You're lucky. You're one of those people on Reddit I was super jealous of. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, what about you? Have you VR'd? Uh, I have demoed VR, but uh, do not currently own a VR. Uh, but uh, just waiting for the right moment to do that because, I i mean, I've seen more and more uh, great things that come up for it. Well, the Oculus Quest might be your moment. It's a $3.99 standalone yep. headset. Yep, I know. I've, I've looked into it, and it's very tempting. Yes. Some of the best <clears throat> games. Uh, this... Articles called Super Hot VR, Dance Central, and more confirmed for Oculus Quest from Thomas Franzizi. I feel like it's Caprizi, like the cheese, but Franzizi from Dual Shockers. Um, yeah, all the best games from PSVR, which are Super Hot, Beat Saber, Moss, uh, Astrobot. Unfortunately, is uh, single or first party. Yeah, they'll so never come to the Oculus, Oculus or anything else besides the PSVR. They'll never happen. That's right. They are all coming to Oculus Quest as well, standalone, wireless. Literally just need the headset. That's dope. If that works really well, that's going to be the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped about, jump in. about this. Yeah, super hot VR especially. Like once I heard that was coming to the Quest, I was already sold on it. Now I'm just super pumped because that's easily one of the best VR games you can get, hands yeah. down. Until until Astrobot and Beat Saber came around, Super Hot was the best VR game of all time. Mm-hmm. In Moss 2, it's kind of cool you're going to have an adventure game available. Yeah. Something that's not arcade And then on the other side, maybe. Actually, we don't know anything about the specs of this next one. Um, know, literally Val- nothing. <laughs> literally nothing about it other than a time that we might hear more about it. Uh, <laughs> Valve. The Valve Index is the game maker's brand new VR headset slated for May 2019 from Sam Makovic at Ars Technica. Um, Valve just released an image of the top of the VR headset, and it just says Index on it. More info coming May 2019. Great. Um, I assume it's going to be high-end, similar to, like, the Valve Pro 
uh, and especially since it's going to be PC exclusive. Vive but Pro. what did I say? Valve Pro? The Valve Pro, yeah. What an idiot! <laughs> yeah, Valve Pro. Uh, so, so, so you don't think this I'm Valve one's going to be a standalone? Oh, we don't know. I, it could. I uh, guess it could be. You think it's their I answer think... to the quest? I don't know. I feel like... I feel like Valve making the kind of games they make would want it to be connected to a PC. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. Uh, because if like, we're going to see Half Life Three on it, then. Well, that's <laughs> no. I actually don't think that's that much of a joke. Because uh, Gabe Newell has mentioned that, and this is like a decade ago, so obviously this doesn't really hold so much weight nowadays. But he said that Half Life Three, they're kind of waiting for new technology. Like they're waiting for something big in gaming to happen before they release a product like that. And VR kind of is that for a first-person perspective, which is the perspective of Half-Life games. So it could be. It's it's obviously far shot, but or a long shot. But it's I don't know. I'm very it's curious a about long this. Long shot. I'm just curious the name because all we really shot. know, but tangibly, is the name. Do you guys like this name? I like it all. I I think all names are dumb now, but we get used to them so quickly that it doesn't matter. The name of your shit doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think they took a list is... of like 10 names and just picked one. I think they made a list and said, well, is this an index? Like a list? Yeah, let's just call it index. List, yeah. whatever. I mean, like, super hot VR? That has nothing to do with the game other than there's a guy who says super hot, but it's still a dope game. Yeah, but game super hot sounds cool. Like, index is like, <laughs> no, oh, it like index card. No, but <laughs> no, like, index not. card's like boring. Like, oh boy, paper supplies. That's what I think of index. When I think of index. Well, I guess also indexing and, and programming and for like for loops and stuff like that. But there you go. See? Uh, See, know. you proved yourself wrong. I programming is cool, wrong. kids. It, programming is very cool. I don't know. These we'll see what it is next month. So that wraps up our VR talk. Now we're going to get into Borderlands. Raise your hand if you're a Borderlands fan. Trick question. We're audio only. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was raising my hand. <laughs> Yay! Aaron raised his hand. Joel, raise your hand vocally. Uh, well, so here's the thing. is I've never... Okay. This is a lie. I played the pre-sequel. That's the only Borderlands game I played all the way through. I tried playing Borderlands 1 on PC a long time ago, but it was like four years after the game came out, so I had nobody to play with. And I feel like those games are way more fun to co-op. Yeah, you played all the wrong games in all the wrong ways. It's like saying <laughs> Borderlands say the 2 only... is the one you should play. Let's just say the only Zelda game I played is Skyward Sword. It's the only one I ever played was Skyward Sword. <laughs> And I played it without the waggle, which is impossible to play. Like, no, um, Borderlands is dope as fuck. Uh, there was a an hour long, well, technically an hour and ten minutes thanks to technical difficulties, PAX panel for Gearbox. Where did any of you guys? I, I doubt you watched this. Did any of you guys watch this live? Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, you I did. did. Actually, did yeah. me too. Oh yeah. my god, it, it was, was hard to watch. Terrible. Yeah, it, was, it was cringy. It was terrible. First of all, the 15-minute magic segment with the board game and the cards. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, that was good. That was, good. That was high-quality content. Was that part planned, do you think? Or... Oh, oh, it had to be planned. Yeah, it had absolutely to had to be planned. Okay. Okay, I wasn't but then sure the fact that, that he was like, stalling. Oh, I don't know if him reading... I don't know if it meant to go on 15 minutes. Because like, he opened that pack of cards and was reading every card. I wonder yeah. if they knew there was going to be some technical difficulties. Well, I, I don't know, because I saw in the Twitch chat, because I, I was at work when I was kind of watching slash listening to it, and people in the Twitch chat were saying, like, every card was signed. Like, he like when he was flipping them, the camera angle, you could see every card. Oh, you could see on hers, I could tell. 
Yeah, that every on hers that she opened up the box, every single one had a signature on it. it so, like, so oh, like, okay. so like that dude had to have been in on the magic trick before the show even started. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what we were really all there to see is not a magic trick or cards. We were there to see Borderlands announcements, and they announced a few things. One is that Borderlands Two, available on everything under the sun except for Switch, uh, is getting a an 4K update patch so if you own the pre-sequel uh, the handsome collection with borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel you get 4k content for free which is nice and then they are also remastering and redoing uh some parts of borderlands 1 so it's also coming in 4k but they're reworking the final boss to make it more engaging and less shitty and they're adding things like the mini map and the ability to add uh locking weapons in your inventory so you don't accidentally throw them away and all that kind of stuff so, like, small quality of life things in there. And then finally, after a hundred attempts to play this trailer, they played the Borderlands 3 trailer. What were your thoughts? Aaron is most important that I want to know your thoughts on because you like this franchise. Go. I've got so many fond memories of Borderlands 1 and 2, especially with playing, with like, a full group of four. And so mm-hmm. I was really excited going into this. But, after like, my initial reactions at the end were very... Um, indifferent. Like I was excited, but at the same time, I was like, I feel like I played this game already, and I feel like it doesn't really fit in today's games. But at the same time, I, it's going to be a day one purchase for me. I couldn't be more excited, but it just didn't really hit me in the way that I was expecting. I think. I agree. I think that it's uh, so. They mentioned right out front. Oh, Borderland. I mean, uh, battle royale games are fun, but um, this is not that. This is going to be more Borderlands. They've got the billion guns. They've got the same cast of characters that they've had from across all the games, including Tales from the Borderlands, which is awesome. But uh, I feel like it was maybe just a bad trailer as well. The trailer was very slowly paced, which is not really what you would want from a game like this. But also for being so but long, I'm excited I don't think it actually it. showed that much. It showed, if you are familiar with the Borderlands universe, you're like, oh my god, that person's in it? I can't believe that person's going to be in this game. Oh my god, Tiny Tina's old again? What? So, I feel like there was a lot of stuff in it, if you dig real deep. But it was like, yeah, we didn't see any of the gameplay or the systems, or we don't know anything about the new Vault Hunters. I think that's kind of like, what's going to make that game a next-gen version of the previous Borderlands games? Because this is the first time the franchise has been new on the current hardware are the mechanics, the things that we didn't see in the trailer. So I think it's you really have to reserve judgment. And this is someone from the outside. I've never played Borderlands before. But I feel like the gameplay is what's going to make it stand out. We don't know anything about that. I mean, the stuff they showed off is the style and the characters of the world, which that seems to be the heart of Borderlands. Would you want that to change? It seems like that was a big draw for people. Right. So I feel like the fact that people feel like, oh, it's a lot of the same, that might be a good thing for what the trailer was showing off. Yeah, and so much of what you play that game for is the humor and the writing and the characters. So it's nice to see that that's making a comeback and that that's really what it's all about is situations with those and not about, hey, how do we strip all the story and lore and characters out of this and turn it into a battle royale? By the way, I'm still breaking up a little bit, so if I'm saying things you guys have already said, I'm sorry. I'm missing a lot of what you're saying. Hold on, you're fired. Speaking of fired, you're hired again because I've decided that Borderlands 2 is our barf game for May slash June. Um, Barf is our backlog accomplishment with Resawn and Friends game where we pick a game and we play it all together and discuss it. 
uh, something we either haven't played or something new about it we want to play or the other person hasn't played. So Borderlands 2 is going to be that game. But just like Joel mentioned, it is a game that you should play with people. So somehow or another, we're going to work it out to where either Holden and I have to play this game together all the way through or maybe specific parts all the way through or somehow play with the community as well. So if you guys are if you guys own Borderlands 2 on PS4, um, there might be opportunity for you to play along with us. So keep listening for that. That's coming in May after we get through with Kingdom Hearts, which is for March and April. So we'll talk about that at the end of April. Yay. Dope, 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 dope. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for gonna... the uh, Borderlands 1 remaster because I think I I'm going to pick that too. up and uh, play it again on Xbox. Or, well, I guess try and play it again on Xbox. So here's what I think I'm going to do because, well, I, I so I, I got VR, Borderlands 2 VR, and they added the PlayStation Aim controller support, and I was like, dope, this is the, this is the ideal way to play this game. But you can't play that multiplayer. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to play all through Borderlands 2 again with Holden for the 900th time. And then I'm going to play through... They added all the DLC. Well, they will have this summer for Borderlands 2. I'm just going to do it with another character. And then I'm going to go back and play Borderlands 1. And then I'm going to play the pre-sequel. And then I'm going to play Tales from the Borderlands again. And then Borderlands 3 is going to be out. It's going to be great. And I'm going to be sick of it. It's a big, very big commitment. Why, <laughs> why start with Borderlands 2? Why not start with Borderlands 1? Borderlands 2 is... is every way better than Borderlands 1. They're more varied environments, so everything's not just a desert. Um, they hired a new team of writers, so everything is so much has so much more of a character and identity in Borderlands 2. It's also where you get Handsome Jack at his finest. Um, and then the game is just like, it's just so much more polished than Borderlands 1. Although, who knows how that works with the new remaster. But Borderlands 2 is just all around a more fun and interesting game than Borderlands 1, but they're both worth playing. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think the possibilities of... Uh, uh, well, first of all, the Borderlands 3 announcement, they didn't exactly announce a released uh, window or anything like that, nor systems. What do you think the possibilities is this launches on the Switch as well? Good question. I feel like with all of the 4K stuff they've been pushing on the other ones, they want to try to pack as much as they can into this one. And I don't think we'll see a switch, especially because they didn't announce, oh, 4K upgrades are coming to this one, and the Handsome Collection is just coming to Switch. Whereas that's a game that ran on the Vita and that ran on PS3 and Xbox 360. So I, I think if it was going to come to Switch, we would have seen some kind of announcement of the other games coming to Switch as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think that it, had they announced that the Handsome Collection is coming to Switch along with these 4K updates to Xbox One and PS4, then I think that we would have gotten Borderlands 3 on Switch, but I don't see it happening. Well, the other yeah. possibility, and this is very uh, speculative on my part, they might just not be working on Handsome Collection or the other Borderlands on Switch because they just don't want to invest the money in it. It could just be as simple as that. Um, and that's fair. Why would you invest yeah. the money in maybe. all of those games to come? when Maybe people only buy one or two of them, or they want people to buy Borderlands 3 when it comes to Switch. And the... I guess my thought there is if the rumor that we're going to talk about later on in the episode is true, that there is a Switch Pro coming out that's more powerful, that actually that Switch would very likely be more close to the power of a PS4 or an Xbox One. Current Switch is at a teraflop of performance. PS4 was at uh, 1.4 and Xbox One's at 1.3. Not yeah, counting the One X and the Yeah, but that's 4K, though. I'm not saying 4K. I'm just saying it's going to be... I didn't be... say you were, but that's what they're pushing right now. 
okay, that's what they're going to push on those other consoles. If they bring it to Switch, maybe it would be 720p or 1080p or something like that. But it would be close to what a PS4 and an Xbox One is capable of doing already. This game very likely is going to come to those consoles, I think. It's not unrealistic that they come to like a Switch Pro if they do. And this is where, this is where the speculation comes in. If the Switch Pro rumor is true, if the Switch Pro would allow for exclusive third-party games that aren't available in the normal Switch, there's a lot of ifs there. But it could be feasible. It's not totally unrealistic if that rumor is true, which I think it probably is. Yeah, I think it absolutely can run on it. I just I don't think that they see it as a priority right now based on their messaging. We'll see. I'm not saying it's a for-sure thing. I'm not saying yes or no. I'm just saying... Possibly. Speaking of rumors, y'all ready for Resident Evil 3 remake and or Resident Evil 8? Resident Evil 3 release date leaks won't be developed by Capcom. What? This comes from Dalton Cooper at Game Rant. Apparently there's a known Twitter leaker, Dusk, Dusk Golem slash Aesthetic Gamer, who claims that Resident Evil will, quote, unofficially be annualized with RE3 remake coming in 2020. Yeah, and it's both of these stories, actually, the other story is rumor Resident Evil 8 game will be for next-gen consoles, release date leaked, also Dalton Cooper Game Rant, same source for both information, is also Dusk Golem. Um, Capcom apparently is looking to unofficial, their, their plan is going to work out so that there's a Resident Evil game coming out every year, this year, next year, and 2021 as well. Um, what a crazy not... time that we're living in. I right? know, right? <laughs> so, and it doesn't seem like... Them saying it's unofficially happening this way just means I think it's just playing out that way. It's not like we'll expect Resident Evil 9 the year after that. But I'm curious about who this other developer is that might be working on Resident Evil 3 Remake. Because I think that there is so much magic in Resident Evil 2 because of the execution. It kind of made me less excited for Resident Evil 3, I'm and depending on who it is. I wonder if who it is would have, like, exposure to or already know or feel comfortable with the RE engine. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of hoping, is that it's something like that, because that engine's incredible, and I'd rather not see it poorly used. Like, it'd be kind of a shame if Resident Evil 2 was clearly the better game than Resident Evil 3, just because it wasn't executed as well. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, well, I'm all for it analyzing it. Oh, I'm all for that. That sounds great. I'm still going to play Resident Evil Remake 3, even if it's a different developer. I'm Just to be clear, <laughs> definitely still going to play that. Uh, here's another question about Resident Evil 8. Do you think it's going to be VR? Well, there's oh. been some... That's tough because there's been some rumors about whether the game is going to be first person or not. They might go back to third person. And I think... And there was like even talk that Resident Evil 7 was kind of a unique situation because the game happened to be in the first-person perspective, and they, they were already kind of working with Sony at the time anyway, and it's kind of happened, apparently. Um, that might not happen Resident Evil 8, is kind of what some of the rumors are saying. I played through all of 7 in VR, and it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life, but it was mm-hmm. so good. Yeah, it, I I started playing Resident Evil 7 in VR. So I hate scary movies. I hate scary video games. Oh my and god, I, why did you do that to yourself? So I started doing it on my stream. I stream on Mixer.com slash Campo63. But because some of my viewers were asking me to try it out because they knew I had the PSVR. So I found it for like 15 bucks and I bought it. And that was like the most scared I've been for two hours straight in my entire life. I don't know if I'm <laughs> yeah. ever going to go back to it. 
I literally couldn't play for more than two hours at a time. Like, I had to play in, like, hour and a half, two-hour chunks because I was like, that's all my body can take right now. I didn't like Resident Evil 7 VR. I got so sick. So sick. Yeah, <laughs> I was, you did. You did. I got really, really uncomfortable. I was nauseous for at least an hour after playing. I wonder I, how I, you I would do like now it. that you've got a lot more VR experience. It wasn't a VR experience thing for me. Like it was it was how they handled the movement. So like if I turned my head 30 degrees or 90 degrees in the game it would only turn my head 30 degrees and that's unbelievably disorienting. Maybe if I, I just adjust those about. settings. Yeah, there are some sort of options where like it, it would be reduced head motion or something like that. So if you moved your head, it wouldn't move in the game as drastically as your own head moved. Like it wouldn't keep up. It was strange. Well, maybe you need to play around with those settings. Yeah, but you shouldn't actually, have to play those settings. It was just, it was weird. I don't know. I didn't like it. Now that I think about it, I did have to end my stream because I did not feel good when I was playing the game. I vividly remember that because I literally sat on my stream for like 25 minutes like debating whether I wanted to play or not because I just felt so nauseous. It definitely is something that like it took me a while to get ease into it. And right at first, if I was like, all right, I'm just going to go full dual analog sticks and I'm not going to do the like turning in quarters or whatever it is. Then I'd be like, whoa, no, I can't do this. It's going to make me sick. But then eventually I just like, oh, I just got used to it. And now it's something that I do just fine. Jumped right into Borderlands 2 VR dual analog and it was fine. But I do think it is something you do have to get used to. But there are also now, and this Resident Evil 7 has a lot of these things, there are a ton of options in all of these settings menus for comfort that you can just change is it a 30 degree turn is it a 40 degree turn is it a 90 degree turn are there turns at all how slowly do you move is there tunnel vision um so i think that if you if you get the opportunity and you're around someone who has it hold on i think you should play around with some of the settings and just try it again fine chad i'll try it again do it just <laughs> do it I, I don't think he's trying it again if i <laughs> no, he's not. He's ab- if you no, ever <laughs> see me again in real life then uh, I'm going to make you do it. But those are games yeah, that are really going to be coming out way like far it. away. I didn't right. listen to what you said because I jumped right into playtime. <laughs> We're going to talk about playtime, what we played this week. And because Holden and mine is basically just Sekiro, I'm going to jump over to Aaron. Tell me about what you played this week. Uh, well, it's been God of War. Uh, and um, just do a new game plus again with that. But I also do uh, dabble in Destiny quite often. Uh, I'm in the uh, the loot grind of Destiny, if you say how you would say it. Uh, but so that's kind of my game that I play in between stuff. Uh, Sekiro, Sekiro, Sekiro. Mm-hmm. Okay, Sekiro. Uh, is certainly a game that I should like. Uh, I've played almost every single Souls game and absolutely love them. I uh, just haven't got into this one uh, quite yet, but uh, seeing some really awesome stuff for it. Haven't gotten into it as like you haven't gotten it yet, or you have started playing it and just haven't found the groove yet? Have not gotten it yet. I'm kind of okay. right now in a in a holding phase. I'm waiting until uh, uh, Days Gone comes out. So I really don't want to dive into something li- a game like that until, it com- until Days Gone comes out and I'm done with that. God, I can't freaking wait for Days Gone. I know. Especially that new story trailer that dropped this week. Oh, my God. Yeah. Whew. Uh, Joel, other guest underscore number one. <laughs> what did you play this week? Um, I'm sorry. I'm not going to get over that, am I? Um, <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> uh, I've been playing a lot of MLB The Show 19. It just came out last Ooh, week. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, I love those games every year. Uh, but this year they added some cool new game modes. Like they added uh, moments, which lets you play through like historical moments in the MLB. Like one of them is the 2016 Chicago Cubs. Me being from Chicago, I'm not a Cubs fan, but I you know I know a lot of the history. Um, so it has you play through moments in that franchise's like history that led up to them winning the World Series in 2016, which is pretty cool. Uh, another game mode that they added is um, March to October, which is really cool in the sense that you d- well, you don't have to play a franchise mode like every single game for 162 games to get to the playoffs. This game mode has you play uh, the opening day, and then it has you play key moments throughout the season, and based on how you're doing, you either make or don't make the playoffs. And if you make the playoffs, you play every single game, which I think is really cool. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I have also been playing a lot of the Division Two, uh, which I'm enjoying the hell out of. Um, not sure if I'm. Do you play that single player or with friends? Uh, I play with friends. Uh, I can't. I would not play that game if I was playing alone. <laughs> Damn it! See, that's my that's my thing. I I really enjoyed the four hours that I played at the Division, but then I started playing it single player because I played it first with three friends. And then I started playing it solo, and I was like, I don't really like Yeah, I have, I have like five, six of my buddies that are playing that game every day, so it's pretty easy for me just to hop on, and they just run me through something, and my gear score goes up like crazy. Um, so yeah, I've been playing God, a lot of that. So I'm nice. enjoying it a lot. Uh, I enjoyed Division 1 a lot, but I kind of fell out with that like right when the end game started. But with Division 2, I'm already in the end game. I'm already close to max gear. Uh, waiting for the raid and new content to drop, I think, Tuesday this week. Um, Yeah, other than that, uh, I think those are the only two games I've really been playing the past week. Dope. Um, Holden, tell me about your experience this week with Sekiro. Well, it overcame some things that I wasn't able to overcome before. I beat the bull, which I'm very excited about. Oh, nice! But I still cannot beat Lady Butterfly. I have tried. I just can't get faster. I'm just not... She's t- have you beaten her yet, Chad? Have you gotten to Lady Butterfly yes, yet? Yes, I have. I have beat Lady Butterfly. Oh, I hate you so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a legitimate question. Has anybody beaten this game? Because every yes. time, every time I'm listening yeah, to a, a podcast or watching the game a stream, in an hour, every time I'm listening to a podcast or watching a stream, everybody's like, "Well, I got to the butterfly man," and then like nobody's talking about how they beat the game. <laughs> and the butterfly is like the second boss. <laughs> <laughs> it great. could be your first boss. <laughs> it could be if you get yeah. that far, but. Uh, um, Fez actually. Oh wait, beat the it. butterfly. Are you talking about Lady Butterfly, or is there an actual butterfly you fight? No, Lady Butterfly. Oh, okay, because I, I know there's some sort of like mystical boss, and I saw like a slight screenshot of it, and then I'm like, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I don't <laughs> know what it looks like. So I'm like, it looked kind of like maybe maybe it was a big uh, butterfly or something like that. Anyway, um, Lady Butterfly, how did you beat her? Because I'm just racking my brain. It's just I, so, I can't. So here's the thing. I have chosen yesterday to stop playing Sekiro. I saw that, and I hate you for it. <laughs> I've abandoned it. Um, I've gotten, I've gotten past quite a few things. Like I beat the bull as well, uh, pretty easily after I learned how to run. I forgot, I, <laughs> I forgot that you could run in these games, and that definitely helped me beat it on the second try. Boom! Brush the shoulders off. Um, but I got as far as I did in the game. By cheesing things. By oh, like, that's lame. Exactly, exactly. Because the game is too hard. It's too hard. I really love the difficulty of like the actual exploring the world and all of that kind of stuff. And I love 
fighting those guys and using stealth, but then you get to these these mid bosses and bosses and it's just it's too fast. I'm not good enough to counter as often or predict their moves as, as often as I need to. And you can't hack your way through it and you can't just get stronger to make it a little bit easier. And I so every almost every victory that I've gotten so far has been by finding some sort of like way to cheese it whether it's like the uh, one of the purple ninja guys i just like was circling a house and running around a house until he finally lost track of me and then i could sneak up behind him and murder him or lady butterfly if you dodge and hit her and then immediately dodge and hit her and then immediately dodge and hit her all of her moves take too long that she can't get any hits in so it like makes that boss super easy there was a seven spears guy in the in the Ashina, uh, Ashina outskirts or something like that. And he was hard as shit. Spent like an hour and a half on him. But I accidentally fell off a cliff. And then I was like, oh, he can't fall off the cliff with me. And so I was just jumping up the cliff, smack him, jump down. Jump up the cliff, smack him. And I did that for about 30 minutes. So I found that I'm not, I'm not playing the game as it was intended because I'm not good enough to play it that way. And I'm not having fun cheesing my way through the bosses, but I do really, really love the world, which is so conflicting. So I think I think I'm I think I'm done with it. Have you been I'm, a fan of the previous Souls games? Oh yeah, I love okay. Bloodborne. Uh, I platinumed that. I beat Demon Souls way before Dark Souls even existed because I'm such a cool hipster. <laughs> um, and then I got all the way. To, I I just haven't beat the boss of Dark Souls three, but I got all the way to that and loved every bit of it. But this one's just – it plays so differently that I, I'm i not good enough at it. I tried Dark Souls 2 because I got it for free from somewhere. I can't remember where. But it it killed me, man. I tried for like two hours, couldn't do it, and I realized that those types of games just are not for me. Yeah. I don't know. Something about this combat. The So much of it is – on this one is about countering attacks and timing your counters and stuff like that. And so little of it is actually fighting and dealing damage. That is just something that I, yeah, but the I, countering does deal damage just to well, their posture damage. Yeah. But it's, but it's so much different because I could uh, jump behind somebody and slash them with my sword and bloodborne. Whereas this is like almost useless where in Sekiro, I now have to be like, these guys are not slow. These guys are fast no. as fuck, and I have to anticipate all of their moves and block at all the right times, and I'm, I can't do it. I'm not not good enough to do it on my own. I just get a, I think it's a total blast, and I, I agree that it is a lot harder when you get to the bosses. I do think that the grunt enemies are easier, because yeah. once you kind of get the, those counters down, you can take someone out super fast. But yeah, the bosses are, are really aggravating. Like Lady Butterfly is really aggravating, because I'm just can't get past her but i'm still having a lot of fun trying to beat her i just love that a boss battle is just a long sword fight that's really cool and that's what i'm really loving about it like it does make it really really challenging but you know how like you'd see like a cutscene for a game that involves swords and it just would sow this sick sword fight that's would never actually happen in the game and you play the game and the sword fight is really just your character wax the enemy doesn't even hit their swords their swords don't even collide it's like that cgi trailer you saw isn't really representative of the game but in this that lady butterfly fight is a sword fight in the game 
and the fact that from software achieved that is really impressive and it just impresses me continuously as i play that game and i'm constantly surprised by the enemies i've come across so far Uh, i'm curious how far you made it past the bull chad did you get to a point where there were enemies on the roof with shurikens being thrown at you yeah that part was awesome that was super cool yeah there's the super vertical part right yep super vertical and i just love how so far the game is changing up how you interact with it constantly and and you like from software games have always done to beat enemies you have to think on your feet and i just think that this game does it with sword fighting in a way i've kind of always wanted to see with sword fighting this has better sword mechanics than skyward sword does in terms of like making it <laughs> excuse me feel like you're playing with a sword yeah and i just i can't get enough of it i think it's awesome but That's i'm still great. not making it very far cuz it's really fucking hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah but that has opened up the door now now that i've decided i'm not going to spend all that time that i had already budgeted towards sekiro i'm thinking like ooh, do i go back and finish that platinum trophy for bioshock 2 do i play god of war again on new game plus like i've always wanted to since i beat it but i started playing kingdom hearts which is our barf for uh, march and april and just a tease of how i feel about it i hate everything about this game <laughs> <laughs> but I don't hate the game itself, and I kind of can't wait to play it some more tonight for some reason. I don't know why, but I hate literally everything about it. So we'll explore those feelings a little bit later in April. Um, and that's all I played this week. I have a feeling this is going to be a super interesting barf. <laughs> yeah. But that's going to bring us to our quest log, where we're going to talk about some fetch quests. So these are our quests that are just not a whole lot of depth there, but worth mentioning the headlines. Starting with Dreams Early Access officially starts on April 16th, 2019. Um, so if you guys are interested, 30 bucks gets you access to the creator part of it. And then when the full game launches, you get the full game unlocked for that discounted price. Dope, dope, dope. Ubisoft confirms E3 conference for June 10th at 1 p.m. Pacific time, West Coast, Best Coast. A new Lord of the Rings video game is coming in 2021. This, I find, fascinating. I'm going to talk just a bit about this, and hopefully you guys will too. Have you guys heard about this so far? No, I have not. Just the announcement. Yeah. It is a a Gollum game. Well, yeah, it's all all a a rumor. Well, not a rumor. They confirmed that it's coming, but it's... Sure. uh, All the things are kind of rumored about what it might be. But it's a game centered around Gollum from Lord of the Rings. And they said that... It already, Gollum already lends himself well to the game because he has a natural morality system. Do you choose the Smeagol choice or do you choose the Gollum choice? Good choice, bad oh, choice. Yeah. It's like, oh, that does work. That sounds cool. I'm just imagining Gollum um, action and like fighting, and I don't know if I'm a big fan of what I'm imagining initially. Oh, I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of stealth-based stuff. <laughs> Um, and they announced, since it's coming in 2021, that the game will be coming for PC and, quote, all relevant console platforms at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we assume next-gen will be out by 2021. Uh, next mean, rumor. PS4 and Xbox One could be the relevant console platforms at the time. Not to say that they it won't also be released on those. Yeah. So. You never know. Rumor, Dark Souls dev working with George Railroad Martin on RPG. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
so stupid. That's so stupid. It's awesome. I know. Uh, there, I was at, okay, side note. They have these Adler After Darks in Chicago at the planetarium. And I went to one that was like Star Trek and Star Wars and fantasy themed and all this stuff. And there was a, there was a, a what do you call it when you answer trivia questions? Trivia. <laughs> there was a trivia. <laughs> and one of the things was, uh, what does J.R.R. and Tolkien stand for? And our group answered, Jonathan Railer Ramos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Was we that right? So was that the right answer? No, it was not right. It was not named after the kid from Wild America and Home Improvement. <laughs> anyway. Um, so other details on this one. It might be have lore by George R.R. R. Martin. Uh, there's going to be apparently different kingdoms that you can go to in any order and you get a different uh, technique or a skill or a spell or something like that from every single one, which could be cool. Um, interesting. Keep an eye out for those rumors. And then finally, hold on, talk about this one because I know that your little peen is going crazy over it. Yeah, I mean, it's not really much. It's just Monolith Soft who helped to work on Breath of the Wild development a little bit. <laughs> Um, they are officially hiring for a new Zelda game. So, I mean, it's not a surprise that a Zelda game is being made. It's one of those things that doesn't even need to be confirmed. It's obvious that Nintendo's working on one. It is kind of cool to see that Monolith is working out. I'm working with them again. Uh, Monolith tends to work on big open-world games um, with, like, the, the Zeno, uh, Xenoblade games are kind of gigantic, sprawling open uh, areas. And they, again, helped out with um, Breath of the Wild for kind of the open-world aspects to it. So... Zelda 2's Breath of the Wild 2 is probably going to continue in that fashion, which again it has already continued uh, continued to confirm that the next Zelda game will be in that kind of open air format. So not really a lot of news here. I'm just excited. I want to see the next Zelda game is whenever that happens. Take their time, but just a little update. That's official. That's all. Nice, Aaron. What's the best Zelda game? Oh, Ocarina. Hell yes. God, you like God of War, Ocarina <laughs> of Time. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> great, great, great. That's the end of our fetch quest, bringing us to our quest log for Sony, where we have one lone story. Kazurai will retire from Sony. This is from Michael McWhorter on Polygon. He leaves after, I think it was 35 years being with Sony and PlayStation. His last day will be June 18th, but will, quote, continue to provide counsel, acting as senior advisor for the company. What a change in leadership we're seeing this whole generation, well, this whole year so far with yeah. Kaz, with Reggie stepping down a few weeks ago. It's time for a new console launch, yeah, new people a, to head it up. It's a whole new world. Don't sing the song, don't sing the song, don't sing the song. A whole new world. <laughs> Sorry, I just played Agrabah in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, wow, you're really far in that game already. I played eight and a half hours over the last 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sick all weekend. I was supposed to go hiking in Muir Woods, and then I had to call that off and just literally sat on the couch and played video games for 12 hours yesterday. It was awful. It was awful. <laughs> just kidding. It was great. That's it. Uh, that's all we got for Sony. Moving on to Nintendo. I want someone else to talk. Hold and read about this. Or Aaron or Joel, what do you guys read about this? Go. <laughs> you can read about this. So there is a, a source. Blah. 
Wall Street Journal uh, is released a, uh, a rumor report basically saying that Nintendo is going to have two Switch models. They're going to announce at E3 this year and then release a few months later. A lot of these are just kind of colliding rumors that we've heard already. We've already heard we're going to have a Nintendo Switch that is cheaper uh, and handheld focused that won't connect to a TV, won't have uh, like Joy-Cons r- uh, remova- r- be removable. Uh, they won't have like uh, uh, HD Rumble, that kind of stuff. That's going to be one Switch model coming out, apparently. The other one is a beefier kind of for-the-pro gamers Switch that's going to have the better screen and, quote, like, features for gamers or for, quote, avid gamers. So it's not necessarily anything new that we're hearing about a pro Switch and a cheaper Switch. The kind of big deal here is that we're hearing that both are going to happen at the same time. And I think a big reason for that is, apparently, according to this, that... This cheaper Switch is the successor to the 3DS line. This is going to be a handheld-only Switch, essentially. I'm Thank excited. I think Lord. this is a good idea for for Nintendo to do. Joel, thoughts? Go. Uh, I think the cheaper Switch is genius. Um, just because it's going to get the console in more people's hands that maybe mm-hmm. can't afford the $300 version that is currently available. Especially in time for Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I, I, there's going to be so many people who probably don't have a Switch but have a 3DS just for Pokemon because Pokemon's a huge franchise. And if they haven't already bought a Switch because of Let's Go, then the next generation of Pokemon coming out on Switch will definitely push them to buy a new one. Mm-hmm. It's also been a handheld franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's exactly. Go is the first one that was on console. Yeah, and and the fact that Let's Go was not the next generation, I could see a lot of big Pokemon fans who have 3DSs holding off, mm-hmm. you know, since it's not the next generation. But now that the next generation is going to be on Switch, it could change their minds. And maybe that's what actually happened, because they had that goal for $20 million, which is sold by the end of their fiscal year, and they didn't achieve that. And I wonder if they just didn't anticipate those Pokemon uh, uh, fans not upgrading. Hmm. I have a question on what you guys think, how they make it cheaper. They say sacrificing HD rumble, but that's something that lives in the Joy-Cons. Do you think they're releasing just cheaper Joy-Cons and then they're bundling that with a regular Switch to make it cheaper? Yeah, I Or is thought, there something else that you're going to take out? I was thinking about that too. That seems really strange to have Joy-Cons with HD rumble and without HD rumble. I, I understand technically how that would work, but marketing-wise, it seems strange. Like, oh, no, yeah. I bought the wrong Joy-Cons. Yeah. Well, imagine... What if instead of doing a new accessory, maybe they had something fused to the Switch that doesn't disconnect and maybe doesn't have a dock? Maybe it's just strictly just portable mode. Well, that's what I'm That's what I'm thinking. If it's a handheld successor, you don't want yeah. pieces that can fall off that you can lose. It's supposed to be thrown in a bag. Yeah. Interesting. That would, of course, make some games like Mario Party inoperable on it. But again, yeah. like Mario Party is a, not a handheld game. I mean, yeah, they've had Mario right. Party on 3DS technically, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a I mean, especially game. with the new Mario Party where they just came out and did like the 100 best games or whatever it was collection. Yeah. Um, I, I do think something worth mentioning is that, and I, I mentioned this earlier already, but if the pro version of this device is more powerful, which is likely if they're going to do that, because the, the rumors are handling it like new 3DS which was more powerful than the previous 3DS model, the old, mm-hmm. the OG one, it would be in line with what current generation performance is before the next gen comes out. So we could see some of those games come over more easily. 
like there was a rumor of the Witcher coming to the 3D or to the Switch, which was like crazy. There's no way you could get the Witcher running on the Switch. Well, if it was more powerful, and it's possible. How do you get around? I mean, Nintendo consoles and hardware are already a, and game titles are already a marketing nightmare. But how do you then say? This game is coming to the pro version of the Switch with HD Rumble Joy-Cons. This game is coming to regular Switch with HD Rumble Joy-Cons. This game is coming to all Switches. This game's not playable on the cheap one, but it is playable on the new one, but not mm-hmm. playable on the regular one. It's like I, I think the way like... they handle it is they handle it very similarly to how they handle the complicated control schemes of all these games released on their consoles. This game works with the Joy-Cons docked in the, the uh, in handheld mode only. This game works with the Pro Controller or the Joy-Cons on their own. They're handling it that way right now. It was more complicated in the past where you used to have, well, this game will work with the Wii and the Nunchuck. This game will work with the Wii board. This game, you need to have the virtual console controller. This game uh, will work with the gamepad and the pro controller, but it won't work with the Nunchuck and the Wii, uh, nun- like in the uh, Wiimote. Like, they've yeah, had complicated control schemes all before, those, and they've handled that. The console itself that you bought, with all of those examples... It, it worked on. It ran on that console. With this one, you literally could have bought a several hundred dollar machine mm-hmm. that just doesn't run that game. And how does mom and dad who go into GameStop, how do they know which Wii that, or which Switch that they have on, and whether or not their kids can run it? On the 3DS line, games that are exclusive to the new 3DS have a different kind of uh, front cover where it'll say, yeah. like, it's a white banner instead of a red banner or something like that. And it'll say new 3DS is supposed to just 3DS. And it is distinctly different looking. So yeah, if it, it was The Witcher 3, it would just have a different looking box or yeah, something like that. I, I'm not sure how they handled those new 3DS games on the eShop either. Because, but that sounds like it'd be a nightmare on the eShop as well. I don't think so. What if they just, just don't even show up if you have the Yeah, so I was going to say, yeah. they could just Any store can see what device it's, it's coming from. So they could just say hide the content that's not playable. Yeah, that makes sense. Interesting. I'm fully in support of that. I just like... Yeah. I'm interested to see how they end up rolling that out. And from the company who went from Wii to Wii U and then new Super Mario Bros. Wii U Deluxe, like, I don't expect it to come out great. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I think who knows? if there weren't so many rumors of The Witcher coming, there was one of, of Red Dead Redemption 2 coming to the Switch this week, which I didn't bother to put in the show because that sounds ridiculous um there are rumors of big games coming to switch that seem crazy but if you look at it in this context it doesn't seem that crazy yeah do you remember like a year ago when you were so excited for dark souls 3 coming to switch but that could be possible (laughs) that could be possible if red dead redemption 2 comes to switch before gta 5 there's gonna be riots (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's surprising why gta 5 has not come to switch yet Maybe oh, I, I don't know. Nintendo's not having a problem with content anymore in the same no. way, so maybe. But I don't know. I feel like does Rockstar want to develop anything more GTA Five when they're working on the next one at this point? Do you think people would buy GTA Five on the Switch? I don't I, know. I, I don't own know it. I mean, obviously, Xbox yes, but I see some people would buy. It. I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's just not a very popular game. Probably because they make all their money from GTA Online, and figuring that out with the Nintendo's online service would be a nightmare. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't even consider that. Who knows? Is that it? Is that the end of 
Yes, uh, that is yeah, the end of our Nintendo Quest it, yeah. log as well. Boom! We're going to move into our sponsorships, but we don't have sponsors because we are babies. Babies sponsor you. How do you get sponsored by a baby? The participation trophy. And uh, in the month of March, we had four opportunities. Number four comes to an end right now for you guys to win $20 to the gaming service of your choice. Because we turned two, we had more opportunities. And we had only four people this time took us up this week. Uh, so one of four people, you guys all had a 25% chance of winning. Are you ready? Can I get a drum roll from Aaron? And then I also want a drum roll vocally from Joel. And then I want a drum roll with your eyes from Holden. Go. Hey Siri, pick a number one to four. It's four. Who is Jeffrey Walker? Woo. Thank you, Jeffrey. Oh, Jeffrey, I think is actually the community manager of EF Gaming. Um, who I pretended somebody else was a couple weeks ago. But yay! Congrats, Jeffrey. Check your Twitter DMs. You officially won that $20 prize. And a little bit of peek behind the curtain. Participation Trophy is taking a break for the month of April as we figure out our Patreon. I'm putting it out into the universe and saying it out loud so that we actually commit to it. May 1st is when we want to have our Patreon up and running, and hopefully this will somehow play into it or be a part or evolve into something else as part of that. So as we figure out what that looks like, um stay tuned next up hashtag thanks for creating this is where we just reach out to somebody who creates something great in the gaming industry and say thank you and this week our topic is you are going to thank the developer of the game you most recently beat for me that was resident evil 2 question mark yeah i think it was resident evil 2 i think that was reverie that. for me what what do you reverie? say reverie mm-hmm. what is reverie that was that game i played that was like the Zelda game that takes place in Australia, or like New Zealand, or something like that. What are you talking about, and why have you never mentioned this on the podcast? I have absolutely mentioned this on the podcast. Why don't I listen to you? <laughs> <laughs> it was like at least a month ago, though. Joel, what game did you most recently beat? Uh, for me, it'd have to be The Division 2. Uh, I guess it's kind of an ongoing thing, but story-wise, I beat that story. Nice. And Aaron, what did you most recently beat? Be Horizon Zero Dawn again. I'm on a new game Fuck plus phase. Yeah. Oh man! So uh, yeah, Guerrilla Games. Still have not yes. played Horizon. I own it, but I have not played it. Play the shit out of that. God, that's gonna be a barf one day in the near three years from now future. Oh, <laughs> uh, great, awesome. Uh, speaking of barf, ours this month is Kingdom Hearts, and we will have special guest. I've already confirmed him, and I've gotten his permission to say it out loud, even though it's a month away. Trevor Bettis, who you guys remember from first episode of Year of the Guest, way back in January after our KF Games thing. Um, he's going to be joining us to talk about Kingdom Hearts. He's a diehard fan. Holden and I have never played it. Holden hates it. I hate everything about it, but I like playing it for some reason. <laughs> and we're going to see how that conversation goes. And then our Ryan subscriber interrogative, Ryan Fitzgerald from When Gaming, the guy who named the subscriber interrogative segment, wrote in about his own podcast and says, another peek behind the curtain, quote, wanted to know why you guys publish on Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. CST, if it's a conscious decision, or that's just when you do it and why. I don't know, Chad. Why do we release at 9 a.m. on Tuesdays? I don't know. So I think this kind of fell out of our desire to be more consistent and actually do this weekly. Um, and our way around that is we couldn't at the time necessarily pick a day that we would record every single week. 
but we knew we could re- we could control the release of it. So even if like, hey, Holden, are you free on Sunday? Yeah, cool, let's record. Hey, fr- Holden, are you free on Sunday? No, but I could do like Monday night or I could do like Friday morning or whatever it is. But we knew we could always release the same day regardless of when we recorded. So we picked a day. And actually, I think it was Wednesdays for a while. Yeah, it was. Right, it's Wednesdays. Um, so no, it's just an arbitrary date. Um, and then right now with the year of the guest and all the kind of funny games daily people that have been guesting on our show, um, it's been easy to Sunday night is a really good night for people. If you work retail, odds are the stores closed early enough that you can then get out and go do something with your night. Um, it's also, if you don't work retail, you have weekends free. Um, and then, uh, a lot of people are home on Sunday nights. So that allows us to record it on Sunday do any kind of editing or anything like that on Monday and then push it out Tuesday morning. Uh, and I like doing it early in the morning so that when people wake up, it's just like on their lock screen. Oh, Respawning Fire has a new episode out. And like, great, I can listen to that on my way to work today. So I guess that's the answer, kind of a non-answer. I don't know. It's arbitrary, but great. Thank you, Ryan. Again, if you guys want to subscribe a Ryan, submit a Ryan's subscriber interrogative, you can do that if your name is Ryan by just subscribing, God damn it, submitting a regular one on Twitter, at Respawning Fire. Or if your name isn't Ryan, you could just do it by just doing the same thing, but pretending your name is Ryan. And that Brit shit. There was something I wanted to mention during this segment that I totally forgot about. Oh, well. I'll remember by the end of it. Bring us into our main quest. Holden, I'm going to let you lead our main quest from here on out. I've decided that's a thing that's going to be happening now. So, Holden, take us through our main quest. <laughs> I'm actually going to have you go through the State of PlayStation event. Fucking great. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I can handle everything after that if you want to go through those announcements. Super. Yeah. So our main quest is online events. Sony versus Microsoft versus Nintendo. Everyone kind of has had their own um, new way of – well, not new, but – uh, their own way of marketing to us or announcing things or doing some kind of PR through short digital videos. Nintendo Directs, Sony's State of Play, Microsoft's Inside Xbox. Uh, we're going to recap the most recent one, the Sony State of Play, and then we will discuss our thoughts on the three. So, uh, Monday, which is actually, we mentioned this happening before our uh, podcast went live and blah, 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 blah. Here's all they announced. It was very VR focused, very uh, a lot of a lot of announcements in there, a lot of in depth looks at things that are coming. But starting it out, twenty minutes of video started with Marvel's Iron Man VR coming in twenty nineteen. Um, looks okay. You were so high off that when it was announced. What do you mean it's okay? Here's the thing. Yeah, it looks okay. But if you play a lot of VR, you know that, like, stupid shit, just put it in VR, and it's, like, marvelous. Like, oh, my God, I can open a drawer by holding down a button and pulling with it on my arm? (laughs) That's amazing. Like, stupid shit that was normally, if you played it in a game, you would want to stab yourself in the eye. When you play it in VR, it's just so novel. Um, So although it looks kind of uh, on the screen, it might actually end up playing very well. Plus... It's the new Marvel Studios, and they're licensing their stuff to cool people. The developers are the people who made Republic, uh, and who recently made that in VR. Um, so it has it has some uh, some good teams behind it. So it could be good. Then we have Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled was shown off. 
They also mentioned that the PS2 sequel to that game, all of those tracks and stuff will also be coming to the remaster of that. No Man's Sky Beyond coming to PSVR as well in summer of 2019. Uh, Ready Set Heroes, which I already forgot, is coming in 2019. Don't know what that is. Blood and Truth, the people who did the London Heist demo uh, for the launch of PSVR, are making a full game out of it, and it looks so fucking dope. And it's coming May 28th, and I can't freaking wait. Um, Observation also looks really, really cool, coming May 21st. If you don't know, check that out. I honestly have forgotten what it is, but I remember thinking, damn, that looks so fucking cool. So there's that. Okay. Aaron or Joel? I know Holden and I know almost nothing about this, but Aaron or Joel, what is Five Nights at Freddy's? I have. And what is the obsession with I it? I have absolutely no idea. Literally, I have no clue. Like, I've seen Same Let's here. Plays of it and stuff, and I just don't get it. And I don't, I don't understand why there are toys all over every Target I go to. Right? It's everywhere, and kids love it, weirdly enough. Like, little kids are obsessed with watching these videos. I don't get it. I don't understand it, but it's coming to VR, and it looks scary as hell. And then we jumped out of the VR stuff into Concrete Genie, although it does have a, a VR mode coming to it as well. Coming fall of 2019, there was a new trailer showing off for that. Looks okay, not my type of game, but whatever. And then they showed that sweet, sweet Days Gone story trailer. April 26th, you guys. The day after Avengers comes out, we're going to get Days Gone. And that's it. You'll never see me again. <laughs> that trailer looks so good, though. And then Mortal Kombat 11, and they ended it out with... Oh, there was also a montage of VR games coming in 2019, including Everybody's Golf VR, Falcon Age, which looks kind of cool, Ghost Giant, Jupiter and Mars, Luna, Mini Mech Mayhem, Skyworld, Table of Tales, Trover Saves the Universe. Okay, hold on. Trevor Saves the Universe. You guys familiar with this? No. This is the next game from Squanch Games, which is the game company that Justin Roiland created, who is the guy who co-created Rick and Morty and voices all the characters of Rick and Morty. Um, They recently did Accounting and Accounting Plus on VR, and this game has been called, I think it was GameSpot, or maybe it was IGN, somebody... The article is like, this might be the most profane game ever created. And I cannot <laughs> fucking wait. Because I relate so well to Justin Roiland's humor. And, get this, they did an interview with Justin Roiland. Literally every single line of dialogue from Trover throughout the game is all improvised. They literally just had him walk through the game as the character. And as he looked at things, he just said whatever came to mind, and that's the dialogue that's in the game now. 100% of it. <laughs> I can't fucking wait for that game. That's maybe one of my most anticipated. Like, Days Gone, and then Trover Saves the Universe. That's the next one. I did play the Rick and Morty VR game on PSVR, and I enjoyed oh, that. Oh, I'm sorry. You did? I, I thought it was all right. See, that's that's one of those games that I felt was like, it was just you doing chores for Rick. Yeah, it was really annoying. <laughs> yeah. but, but i did enjoy you being in that universe i guess even though i don't play really watch the plus? show i did i know i never played accounting plus i heard that that game is really good though it is so funny it's just people shouting and ridiculous things and it's so great and then vacation simulator which is the next game from job simulator guys which is the number one best-selling psvr game Okay, dope, dope, got, dope, dope, dope. I gotta say something when I was looking at these notes. When I first saw it, I thought I saw a Vatican simulator, and I gotta say, <laughs> I <love that> game. 
Oh man, so many little boy jokes. So many little boy jokes. Don't make me live that in VR. Oh god, I don't want that at all. So, so overall, it was a very quick, very VR, which is so nice to see that it's so VR focused and that like PlayStation VR is a big tentpole thing for Sony, which is great, and they're committing to it. And then we got that Days Gone trailer. And, uh, I'm excited for that No Man's Sky VR. I, I I was skeptical a few weeks ago when that was rumored because they've been open and saying we don't think that a VR is possible with our game. But man, that's cool. That's a great game to have in VR. Is it exclusive to PSVR or does it also come to like Oculus and stuff? I actually don't know, but I don't think it is exclusive. I I, I have a hunch that's not exclusive. Let me look it up right now. Um, but like, I would. The I think this no is Man's a Sky reason itself. to get VR because I think that game has become a lot better. And. On top of that, I think VR excels at being passive and exploring and looking around at cool shit. And that's just entire... Even when No Man's Sky came out, that's, like, initially, that's, like, the sole thing that it, it did. And now it's gotten better at doing that, and there's more interesting things to do around that now. So I think this is kind of a cool thing. It is coming to Steam VR as well. Gotcha. And it's a free update, so if you already have it, that's cool. That's a great game to have in VR. Um, but I guess the way I want to go this conversation, I mean, unless you guys have thoughts about the event itself you want to talk about before we move on. Going once? Going twice? All right. Now I'm going to wait. So I want to talk about kind of <laughs> how this compares to other online events from Nintendo and Microsoft, mainly because it's getting, this event's getting a lot of kind of crap in terms of, well, they didn't really show that much. It was, it was just, you know, some software games with a few highlights. Nothing really that big was ever shown off in the event. I've been hearing a lot of that. But I kind of feel like it makes sense. I don't expect Sony to be had their first event be the biggest event possible. Uh, but I wanted to kind of hear what your thoughts are on that. How you feel like this compares to Nintendo Directs. Um, I, I'm going to play Sony's side on this one, but I want to hear what you guys have to say. I personally think that this was pretty weak compared to most Nintendo Directs. I mean, some Nintendo Directs just don't pertain to me, you know, just because I'm not interested in some of the games. But, I mean, me being a VR owner, I think that this fell kind of short. But granted, like you said, I think that they're going to have much bigger ones coming. Even, even, especially because they're not going to be at E3 this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what the frequency of these things is going to be knowing that they're not going to make big giant announcement at E3, whether we're just going to have a lot of these or whether these are still going to be like few and far between. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, even Nintendo, these kind of do theirs whenever they have things to talk about. So it's not really like a release cadence to those. Does, is there a regularity to Microsoft's events? Do you guys know? Inside yeah. Xbox, I think is every month. I think it's I every th- month. Yeah, I, yeah. So. Yeah. I, I think at one point they skipped a month, but I'm not sure. Okay. I'm sure they'll skip E3 month. June. Yeah, I mean, I'm um, def- go ahead, Chad. Sorry. My thoughts are so the event in general. If you didn't own a PlayStation VR headset, it either did one of two things: it said, "Why the fuck am I watching this?" <laughs> or it said, "Oh, maybe I'll get a PSVR headset." There's a lot of cool stuff coming to it. Uh, but I feel like if you're not interested in VR, this was a a total flop. And 
for me personally, having a VR and being so in love with it, like I was like, oh, I'm excited to see their commitment to this. But in general, I feel like the this was maybe on par with like the median Nintendo Direct, like the most middle of the road Nintendo Direct we've ever seen. Not the worst, but not the best. Uh, I feel like this is kind of on par with that as far as like the quality of the announcements we saw. Uh, I feel like it was paced actually pretty well as well. But Nintendo has had a ton of strong directs over the last six to eight months, like back to back to back, where they used to have you know a couple that stumbled, a couple that were great. But I feel like they've hit their stride recently. Versus Xbox, where inside Xbox, I feel like nobody actually watches it because they're way too long. And then they just get the headlines from whatever was after it. We're like, oh, that's the 10-second segment I wanted to know about. And I can disregard the hour and 20 minutes of whatever it was they were talking about. So I I feel like it's first foray. Sony did okay. Um, But obviously this is the first one and they can only get better from here. So, Yeah, I think it's important to recognize that this is just the first event. I literally just before we recorded, I went back just to see what Nintendo talked about at their very first direct back in October 2011, and they talked about such great things as that like Metopia RPG thing. If you guys remember that, there was like Miitopia. that Metopia. There was like this like I don't know if it was called Metopia. It was like this dumb RPG game that you would play using your me characters. It was in, bundled in for free on your. 3ds it was oh i played the shit out of that it was very bad (laughs) (laughs) but i played it so much but that was a headliner announcement at at that direct like oh yeah game of the year (laughs) (laughs) it's like i think none of these events are going to be good at the beginning microsoft's a different story because that's been going on for a good chunk of time now and they've just never gotten any better but nintendo's have weren't that great at the very beginning they have weak ones and i think that if you look at what Sony's trying to do here, they've basically said we're not doing E3 this year. They clearly have big things coming up. They haven't said anything next-gen, but, I mean, obviously that's coming up pretty soon. And they probably want to communicate some of that next-gen stuff in events like this. So it's probably better for them to have a quieter event like they just had, just to kind of learn what the format is and what that means to them as the PlayStation brand before they start throwing in PS5 in there and start throwing in really crazy huge announcements. Yeah, I think one of the problems with Xbox's uh, inside Xbox streams is, like, I watch every one because I'm an Xbox fan, Um, but I think that they kind of fall short as well just because they are going to have an E3 press conference. So any big announcements that they will have, they're going to save for that. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, they've they've had some significant things shown off there, like... Uh, Master Chief Collection coming to PC or to Steam. That's not. That's yeah. That's a big deal. But that's a that's a good aside to mention during any three event. That's not like guys were dropping the bombs this this E three by by having really old games come to Steam. Right. But I mean, think about this. This is their side hustle. Nintendo Direct are Nintendo's sole way of giving you information. Inside Xbox, like, they're not going to give you the big cheese. Like like you said, like, they have an E3 conference coming up. This is their side hustle. And, yeah, mm-hmm. for a side hustle, that's a pretty big thing. The Xbox Adaptive Controller was another one that was announced in Inside Xbox. That, Like, yeah, those are big things that you don't see at E3. But for the audience and the intent that those shows are made for, 
I think that those are pretty sizable announcements for it. Mm-hmm. And PlayStation has the PlayStation Experience. Even if they don't have E3, they still have PlayStation Experience. Do they though? <laughs> well, not most, not this not last year, but this year they're going to have it. And even the year before that, it was just interviews with developers and nothing really shown off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're just in that weird low right now where we're just we just we're we all we're all waiting for the next gen console. Yeah, yeah, that's when it, news yeah. can actually start happening again. It just seems like nobody wants to show their cards too soon. Exactly. Right. No one wants. Nobody to be wants to be cast. first out the gate and then be shown up. They want to be like, let's see what the other guy's going to say first. But here's another thing to think about. Um, I heard this. I can't remember whether it was Easy Allies or kind of funny or somebody. Somebody somewhere mentioned that if Sony came out and did something really big on their first state of play, then that means that people would expect that then from then on out at yep. every state of play, and they yep. would have made them. They would have set themselves up for failure. Failure for every single subsequent one. Oh yeah. So I think it was actually a good thing that this one was like tepid and then in the future they can be like oh by the way here's last of us too and they're like oh my god that was an amazing state of play yeah that's a very that's a very good point to bring up as well like if the death stranding release date was announced at this state of play the bar would be pretty high yeah we're getting close to that needing to be announced if it's coming out this year it's on next gen consoles it's not coming out this year on next gen consoles <laughs> <laughs> it is it's not happening Chad. <laughs> But I think that's all I have to say about how Sony's kind of comparing to the other events. Are we ready to move on to Endgame? Oh, I'm ready as fuck. Aaron? (laughs) Joel? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Woo! So we're moving on then to our segment called We Are So Fucking Humble because Holden and I are just the most humblest of of, I almost said ghosts. (laughs) We are the most humblest of hosts, and we're going to (laughs) allow... Uh, our guest to take over the episode and talk about something real quick. So, Aaron, I believe you brought something that you would like to talk about that you're going to surprise us with. Um, yes. We're going to take a back seat and let you drive. Okay. Uh, yeah, I just really wanted to talk. I'm really excited about this uh, new uh, trend or new focus on streaming games. And I started thinking uh, to myself, like, the, the way that we consume media uh, from the past and where we're at now so, like, in the past with music, it was CDs, it was cassette tapes, and now it's pretty much 100% streaming service. And then the same thing with, like, movies, like getting a VHS or getting a DVD, and now, really, it's just all streaming services through Netflix or Hulu. So, my question is, it might be a little bit uh, a little bit of a, a large uh, question here, but I a couple, couple questions based off of that. So, do you see the trend of gaming following the the same trends that music and movies followed who do you feel is best positioned to be the best when it comes to streaming if you do see that trend and then who would you say say five ten years from now is going to come out on top so for the first one the three companies that are just undeniably the both best positioned are microsoft google and and amazon because they lay out the internet uh, infrastructure and the servers that so many other companies rely on already that like i think i mentioned this when we talked about stadia already but like if sony wanted to get into a streaming service they'd be using microsoft google or amazon servers there's just no way around it unless sony wanted to invest in an equally robust infrastructure that that Amazon, Microsoft, and Google have already worked on. And it was incredibly expensive to do so. They're the three companies that are going to be on top easily. I think 
Amazon's going to have a hard time because if they hit a streaming service, it's time. It's it well, if they tie their streaming service to Prime, that's going to be a problem because Microsoft and Google will be more open to Google. Just anyone who has a, that controller or a controller in general or just has internet access actually can stream off their device. Microsoft, we don't know yet, but it'll probably be tied to Xbox and streaming other platforms as well. So probably be comparably open. Amazon, if they tie it to Amazon Prime, a lot of people have Amazon Prime, but now you have this barrier of people having to subscribe to Amazon Prime to access that service. They are going to get in probably by doing it the same way Google gets in, which is just by selling games straight up through $60. They're always going to be better at at that getting the, the image to you, getting the game to you than any other company. So they're going to be at the top, and I think they'll honestly stay on top just because they're at the top of the hill already. How can you beat the people who are already at the top of the hill? With arrows, shoot them, and then take the top. <laughs> but they have arrows too, and they're shooting down. That's easier. Yeah, but you also have the hammer of Thor. That doesn't make any sense, lightning. I don't know how that's tying into this analogy at all. <laughs> so here's what I think is going to happen. Um, I do think that streaming like music and movies, is going to come to gaming and will dominate gaming eventually. The convenience of it is just, it's, it's too simple, too easy to deny it. Um, if you think about, like, part of the big reason why I personally switched to downloading all of my games digitally is because it was so much easier to do from work. I can just be like, oh, I want to go on the PlayStation Store. Some, something's waiting for me when I get home already loaded on my PlayStation. Or I want to switch games. I don't have to get up off the couch because I'm a lazy ass and switch the game disc out to something else. And it was all about just convenience. And that's what Netflix has done to our lives. Like I could pick up the disc and plug it in. But I do think that just like both of those mediums, there will be physical gaming like not necessarily physical, but downloaded or some kind of um, living on device medium for the rest of them. Like there is for vinyl and people still do buy CDs for some reason. Uh, I still buy 4k Blu-rays as well because there's just no getting that quality from streaming right now. And I don't think it ever will. And then even Phil Spencer said that streaming technology will never replace the quality you can get from physical media. So I I don't think that that will ever go away, but I do think streaming will dominate and become the absolute mainstream way most people play, with few exceptions. A great example of that, physical, probably not going away. Uh, Best Buy got rid of CDs recently, but they still sell records. You can go to Best Buy and buy records. At least at the Best Buy that I work out of. Boom. That tangibility is still there. But on top of that, though, I think what makes gaming different than streaming is that interaction is a huge part of the gaming experience so yeah like once that song is playing and it and it's consistently playing without buffering at all it doesn't matter it's streaming or not the quality is not going to be as high but are you really going to notice that for most people probably not with gaming though that delay can make the game harder to play so there's always going to be that compulsion to play on on local devices for people who really want that best possible experience. There'll be an even bigger reason to want the local experience or the kind of older form of playing than you have with like records or something like that. Another thing to take in consideration is also latency. 
because even during well, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. E- even during that Stadia event, you could see some latency, in with the even with their own controller that's connected to the Wi-Fi. But if you think about like the hardcore gamers, like the competitive gamers, that latency they just wouldn't be able to handle that. Like it would, mm-hmm. their heads would explode. <laughs> well, so, I think a lot of that latency might be reduced by the fact, though, that everything's happening off of one server. And there's not information being fed from a console to a server. It's just all happening on the server. So I think there would be areas where latency is actually reduced for online games. But then there's still opportunities for latency to make things worse for you personally. But they talked about how, like, if if right now, because of latency issues on online games, if one person has a bad connection, everybody has a bad connection. Um, like super, and This happens big time in, like, Super Smash Brothers on Nintendo Switch, for example. Yeah. But with this, if one person has a bad internet connection, it doesn't disrupt anybody else's experience. It only disrupts their experience. Because it's just their connection to the console, the cloud console, where everything is happening. Yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right. The, the console, or not the console, the competitive gamers are part of that fraction of the audience that is, they are like the people who have a home theater set up with surround sound and like a, a theater room or something like that. Those are the people that no matter what, they are going to want that pristine, most immediate lag free experience. And We're, so I think they're going to stay local for just to clarify for myself, cause you guys are breaking up. Were you talking about competitive games online or just online gaming? Competitive games. Okay. That changes everything I just said then. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think they're going to stay away from streaming almost probably indefinitely. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think uh, I was listening to a split-screen podcast on Kotaku, and they were saying that people who play fighting games competitively, they still connect their their PCs together through LANs. They don't even do... like The hardwired connection is vital for a fighting game in a competitive landscape. Yeah, I could almost see most companies going with a hybrid type thing, kind of like so, for instance, for Xbox, it would be with Game Pass, where you can actually download the games, um, and then you could also use that same subscription to stream the game on a cell phone or something if you wanted. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think that hybrid is, and this is where I'm really excited about what Microsoft announced, and I kind of feel like they might announce some crazy stuff considering how, I don't know, Phil Spencer kind of seemed to brush the Stadia stuff off, like, as if it was nothing. He didn't seem that concerned in his little memo, but... I'm curious how they can do that hybrid approach to streaming and local where while you're playing or you're, while, while you're waiting for the game to download, it's streaming. So you can just play it immediately while that game downloads. Or I think I mentioned this last week as well. If, if you are loading your game because you died in Bloodborne, for example, and it takes 40 seconds for it to reload the game again, well, that's not going to happen anymore. It'll just stream the game until it loads the local version of the game that it hands it off. But this is also where you could do things like game updates and things like that, where it's really annoying if you want to play a game, but that game has to update. Well, the benefit of what Google was talking about Stadia is that games never, it just updates in the background. You don't have to worry about it. That's what's going to come to console as well. And that kind of handoff between what's playing locally and what it's working with streaming to smooth out those updating processes, those downloading a full game process, like all those kind of odd quirks we have right now. That's what I'm curious with, like, the whole hybrid at, between streaming and, and local. Who do you think is coming out times. on top? It is. 
I'm super pumped. I'm like super super pumped about this. This is like Xbox getting into the fields for the first time ever and talking about Xbox Live for the first time and how that just changed the internet the, the gaming landscape forever. Like this is going to be huge. I'm so pumped. In terms of Dope. who I think is coming out on top, I think it's either going to be Microsoft or Google personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I I think it's going to be Microsoft because they, I mean, Google has hired a lot of talent recently, but I think Microsoft already has such a head start in the gaming space mm-hmm. in addition to all of the streaming and cloud technology space as well. And they and like, they have the, uh, the hardware, you know, and having exactly. the actual consoles out there for those people that do want to download the games. Yeah. yeah. I think Google will catch up and be comparable pretty soon, but I think if we're looking at, relatively short term you know five seven years i think it's gonna be microsoft that's on top for that yeah i mean it seems like stadia doesn't even really have i mean again we don't know much about stadia yet but just from what they showed off and how they've been talking about their plans it doesn't seem like they're gonna have first party games anytime soon i mean it sounds like they just put that studio together like within this year so they're not gonna have anything huge there and then Amazon, like, I think Amazon has the internet infrastructure to really do something big in gaming, but they're just associated with being cheap. Kindles are, are just cheap, and that's why they're successful. Like fire they're, phone. Yeah, fire, fire, <laughs> but all the fire tablets. I mean, yeah, they're 50 bucks, and that's great, but they're 50 bucks because they're cheap. And... It's a fire <laughs> sale. <laughs> I think I highlighted the fire too much. It didn't highlight the sale. <laughs> um so I, I just think that amazon doesn't have the the respect that i think people have for microsoft and google when it comes to executing great software i concur doctor dope anything else you guys want to mention before we move on to our final segment nope great thank you so much aaron for bringing that topic to we are so fucking humble we are going to move on to our final segment of the show called Game on Game Show. The game on our game show called Game On, where we play a game on our game show called Game On. It's a game, game, game. Um, returning this week is another episode of Video Game Would You Rather. We go through five Would You Rathers related to video games in some way, and they start pretty tame, and they end pretty wacky, weird, or offensive. So we're going to start with the first one. That is, Would You Rather Video Games Didn't Have Music or that video games didn't have dialogue, either text or spoken. That's easy. Games don't have dialogue. Why? Because that's also what I choose. Because, well, first of all, I think games can do so much just to explain things to you with the environment. And it puts a kind of a cool pressure on the game to explain things through gameplay. Not explicitly say, hit the A button, because when you hit the A button, your sword swings. Like, just let you figure things out. I know that's not what you mean explicitly by dialogue, but dialogue, I think, kind of fits into that. And I feel like music can can capture atmosphere and make you think things about certain themes or whatever it is the developer's going for, um, coupled with art and the the art assets. All of that can be executed and, and... make those themes come across just as well as if they had just characters explaining those themes. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I have the same answer as well. And a game that sticks out to me in terms of the music is Celeste. Um, That's a game that on paper Mm -hmm. I should not enjoy, but I played through it. It was fun. It was challenging. And the music in that game really hits you. 
Yeah, that that's a soundtrack that I constantly am listening to. I love it. Or Florence, even on the phone. I don't know if yes. you guys that. God, yes. Best 45 minutes of my life. That's a hyperbole, but it was great. <laughs> <laughs> I'd agree. Yeah, I think you would agree. Yep. I think video game music, I think just music in general. And if you ever watch like somebody who recut a movie trailer and like, this is dumb and dumber, but a horror movie, like the music has so much to play. Um, the, one of my favorites dialogue. of that is Star Wars, the end of Star Wars, the last scene of A New Hope. Someone took out the music and it's uh, just the most awkward, uncomfortable scene. I was going to oh, bring that up. Is that it when, is, when it, they're getting their that's awards? That's so weird. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. And you just hear like one person like breathing. <laughs> Nobody's saying a word. It's so awkward. It's so awkward. But you put that Star Wars music over it. That scene's epic. Yep. All right. Question number two: Which Nintendo innovation would you rather have never been invented? Controller rumble or motion control? Motion control. Why? Uh, just, I don't know. I just feel like I want to erase uh Wii bowling out of my memory. <laughs> <laughs> but that was literally the most played game on that console. Oh, for sure. was, but hundreds of thousands of hours. But when you're the hours. person that has like a Wii and nobody else has one and everybody <laughs> wants to come over and play Wii bowling every single night, it just, yeah. oh, I, got I know, I know that, I know that feeling all too well. <laughs> now I, I love controller rumble. I, like everyone else in the world, when I first discovered it, did just lay the controller in my lap and let it rumble. But, <laughs> <laughs> and if you say that you haven't, you're a liar. Um, VR wouldn't be a thing today without motion control. This is like, very true. I couldn't play Beat Saber without motion control. But also part of what makes Beat Saber feel so great is the vibration that you feel in the controllers when you hit the notes. This is very much the music and dialogue question, but it was just more obvious with music and dialogue. Both play hand in hand in the. Ex- Go ahead, sorry, Chad. You were explaining your thing. No, that was. Uh, I'm interested to see what you have to say. Oh, okay. Well, it's just both pl- play hand in hand with tangibility in games. Whether like take uh, take Mario for example, like Mario Odyssey. There's so many little things they do with the HD rumble. Like when Mario shivers, you can feel the controller shivering. It just adds a tangibility to the game that really adds charm and character to it. At the same time. Um, I had a hard time with Horizon Zero Dawn because I really wanted the gyro aiming of Breath of the Wild. And, like, I know the bow combat in, in Horizon is supposed to be really great, but if I can't do it as as easily as I could in Breath of the Wild and didn't have that tangibility of control by just slightly moving my controller around, it Horizon felt empty. Just like how Mario would have felt empty had Mario not been vibrating along with my controllers. Like, they both are the same thing to me, almost. Yeah. That's impossible. I can't answer this one. I vote for motion control because I feel like you could get close to that experience with audio. Where, like, if you make the right audio cues, you could fake your mind into thinking that you're as immersed or that 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 Mm -hmm. tactile response is there. Yeah. I think, I think that's no, that that that's the point that just made me go. Yeah, I'll get rid of of the rumble. Because... I'll get rid of HD rumble in the Switch. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd get rid of rumble as well. That's a really tough one, though. That's close. Next question: 
Would you rather... This is kind of sticking with the tame ones. Would you rather every game has its own unique controller you have to use to play it? Or that all games are still physical media and we never moved on from DVDs? So that means not only do you have to switch games physically by getting up and putting in a DVD, but also games are still 100-something gigabytes like Red Dead Redemption 2, and you have to switch DVDs probably 300 times in your <laughs> gameplay. Oh, God. I actually missed half of that because it was breaking up, so I don't know what okay. this is. I, I every, know game, every game has its own controller, which means if you want to play a new game, you've got to get up and get the right controller for okay. it. Or every game still comes on DVDs, even though they're 105 gigabytes in size now, and you've got to swap out DVDs all the time. Okay, that's an interesting one. I want to hear your guys' answers, but I was thinking about a concept similar to this today. I think, personally, I'd go with the controllers. <laughs> That's just my idea. The only annoying thing I think would be storing a bunch of controllers right? on shelves, places. And then you got to find the right one, especially because my go-to, I would want to make them shelves, but then eventually they just end up in a giant bucket somewhere, and then you got to fish through and find the right controller. Yeah, I don't know. This is a hard one. I mean, as much as I would hate swapping out the DVDs or the discs every like couple of hours... Just having a controller for every game sounds extremely expensive. It does. It does. So I think I'd go I would with probably the discs. Do. I would choose the discs, and I think we would all just become accustomed to moving our consoles to be like on our coffee table or on <laughs> our side yeah. tables so that we can just reach over, put a new disc in. Just a 20-foot-long HDMI cable. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so... I would pick the discs just because it's the easiest, I think, just to store the discs. They're kind of – that's easier than controllers. If you have three controllers and putting them in a drawer, it's still a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. So definitely going to go that way. But I was thinking about that idea of different game controllers for different games because on that idea I was talking about earlier of Google, Microsoft – and this is gonna this is a tangent, but it's gonna tie in. I promise. Google, Microsoft, and Amazon are gonna be the the head of gaming because they have the infinite infrastructure for streaming. Whereas at least I'm like Nintendo. Well, Nintendo would just put games on on those platforms probably, but they love to change their control schemes for their games. And it would be kind of cool if like certain developers had a controller for their games because that layout just works better. Just like fighting games just need a different layout than other controllers offer. And that'd be kind of cool just to say like, hey, Red Dead Redemption 2 is a really cool game, but it's got a lot of complicated stuff in it because there's a lot to that game. Their own dedicated controller would be kind of interesting. How would they make a controller for Red Dead Redemption 2? Interesting idea, but it would be so impractical yeah. because storing all these controllers would be unnecessary plus there is something nice of oh i don't play games a lot i it's overwhelming it's complicated i don't want to learn all those buttons right to turn that into yeah every time exactly exactly it's already tough learning just the software itself the game itself for newcomers but i'm still gonna keep the discs nice two more would you rather play ace combat or call of duty world at war but it's actually Ace Hardware Combat and Call of Duty World Market at War. So you're playing a flying game, but you're at Ace Hardware and you're fighting with Ace Hardware, or you're at World Market and you're playing Call of Duty with World Market stuff. 
I'm going to go the Ace Hardware route because I feel like that one would be kind of uh, Last of Us-like where you're like, oh, I'm going to pick up a hammer and I'm going to duct tape a bunch of nails to it and I'm going to use that and I'm going to beat this guy's skull in the game and then I'll pick only, up a mirror. It only takes place in an Ace Hardware store. I'm pretty right. sure Ace the Hardware game, combat. I'm pretty sure that game being described is just Dead Rising. There you go. Dead Rising is Ace Hardware Combat. <laughs> but you could play a world war in a world market where all you have are like lamps and rugs and picture frames. That's the kind of stuff that's a world market, right? I don't I've never heard of world market. I don't know. You've never heard of world market? I don't think so. I don't think I know what that is either. Oh shit. Aaron, do you know what I'm that with, is? nope, I'm with them. <laughs> Oh fuck! What a waste of a question. Right. So Ace, Ace Hardware, hardware is, is Ace Hardware. Ace Hardware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, World Market is like you go there and they've got furniture, they've got uh, rugs, they've got lamps, they've got all sorts so of like, paintings. Uh, kind of like a, um, like a more uppity about itself IKEA, but not <laughs> as actually uppity in quality. <laughs> all right well they're striving okay. f- for more but they're just not achieving it <laughs> <laughs> exactly last one uh yeah we'll still do it all right which it's also relied on world market <laughs> so let's see how it goes <laughs> no no it is not world market at all but hopefully you know who roseanne Barra is which game would you rather play a fast-paced management game like Overcooked about managing PR for Roseanne Barr. <laughs> or a similar game about the legal team behind making sure white male lacrosse-playing rapists get little to no jail time. <laughs> Those are your options. Repeat the last one again. Uh, it is a, uh, a fast-paced management game about the legal team behind making sure white male lacrosse-playing rapists get little to no jail time. I'm going to take the Roseanne Barr one. <laughs> my view Yeah, on I it think that would lend that... itself... <laughs> Go ahead, Chad. Uh, my view is that we live in America, and it's 2019, and honestly, I think the, the last one would be too easy because they would get little to no jail time already because of white privilege. <laughs> and so I want to challenge. I would be the PR team for Roseanne Barr. Oh, and we man. would just be managing welcome, those things left and right. Welcome to the most political gaming podcast you've ever heard. We are woke here. We've never really <laughs> been this political before. <laughs> I mean, I think the yeah. Roseanne Barr one would lend itself more easily to a game because you'd be like, okay, for like sure. she's going to say one of five fucked up things. So like, we have a press release set up vaguely for each of these, and you pick the vague press release to start off with and send that one out. So you yeah, have like a starting ground. It's like yeah. a Mad Libs. All right, let's fill in the blank of like who, which one, she, which oh, group God. she offended a this Roseanne time. Roseanne Barr and... Mad Libs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what did Roseanne Barr say this week, guys? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> oh man. You so somebody procedurally generated through her own Twitter account. Like, here's her tweet. How does your PR firm handle it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody should definitely make a parody game. Just to, like change your name. <laughs> it's like something very similar sounding. Blows and rar. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Game of the year. And we confirmed four out of four people would play that game over a white lacrosse playing rapist. <laughs> That's our pitch to venture capitalists. Put that, put that in quotes on the cover. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
<laughs> that wraps up Game on Game Show and our podcast for the day. Uh, thank you guys both again for joining us. I want to give you another opportunity to plug all of your stuff, starting with Aaron. Go, Aaron, where do people find you? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter. It's uh, at Pierce underscore 248. This has been fun. Hell yeah. Um, and then Joel, go. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Campo63 or listen to my podcast, Pixel Street Podcast. Or find me on Mixer, mixer.com slash Campo63 there as well. Do it. Somebody else recently streams on Mixer that we had on our show too. Who was it, Holden? Was it Fresh Takes Game? Fresh Takes Games? They... Fresh Takes Gaming. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They do it on Mixer as well. Dope, dope, dope. Well, thank you guys both for joining us. Um, until next week, here's our usual sign-off. There we go. That's all I got today. (laughs) Great sign-off. I'm going to go with Killer Queen Black for Game of the Year.